You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. So grateful for um, just the pleasure of being together today and grateful for the team that have put this on. Hey, isn't that so good? Can we just say thank you to Joy and all the team who have served? But yeah. I've had the pleasure of staying at Joy's house this week, and this woman has been working day and night to put stuff together. I know she has a whole team, and she probably doesn't want me to say a thing like this, but here's a woman who has a heart to serve, and I just see, that excites me to see somebody who is so willing to just pour her life out for others, and it's been such a privilege to just get to know her and, and all of you who are serving here, and thank you to the men who were brave enough to not only stay, but gracious enough to serve. That was amazing. And the lunch is so beautiful and the worship and everything. And even though we love to do stuff, just ladies, it's also, you know, we, we work well together as the body, hey, men and women. And so even when we just have the few guys here, it's like we see it in action. This is how God has designed things. And it's fantastic. So this afternoon, we've got the, the awesome, exciting privilege of being able to go further into the word and just see what God has to say to us about awakening. And then we're going to have time at the end for just some prayer time together and altar ministry for those who would like it. We don't want anybody to go home feeling like they missed anything today. And I believe that God has something for us. And this morning we talked about what we have been awakened from, what God is awakening us from, and that spirit of slumber, that spirit of um, internal focus, that spirit that is is moved on the, the choices that we make when we choose the things of the flesh over the things of the spirit. And it just causes a trickle down effect. And uh, I believe that any of us who have been struggling with that, even this morning, that was broken. And so this afternoon, we're going to talk about what we have been awakened to and what we are awakened for and where God is taking us uh, with him, the things that are ahead of us. Um, when I was praying over this conference, I just heard over and over again in my spirit this phrase that uh, slumber is costly. I thought, well, that's interesting. Slumber is costly. What does that even mean? And then I, I started just praying into it. What, what does it cost then? What does slumber cost? Because you don't think of it costing anything. It's just a, it's an emotion. It's a sensation. It's a, it, it's a place with God. But it's more than that. It is actually about authority. And more importantly, awakening is about assignment. So slumber keeps us in a place where the enemy has blocked us from what God has, which is the awakening of assignment. And so I just want to pray into that. And then we're going to get into the word today, um, this afternoon and see what God has for us. So Lord, we just thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, we thank you for what you're stirring in our hearts already. God, I thank you for this group of women who love you, who have chosen you, who, who have, um, chosen to pursue you. And even in being here today, God, are choosing you, are pursuing you. And God, we just invite you in this, uh, time we have left together to just 
pour your light and your word into our heart of hearts. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to illuminate to us those things that we need to see. We pray that there would be a stirring in the inner man that would awaken us to truth, that would awaken us to life, that would awaken us to action. God, where we have walked in any level of deception in the past, I just speak a revealing of truth today in Jesus' name. Where there has been any uh, spirit of slumber that has held us back from purpose, God, today we just thank you for freedom. We thank you for life. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for igniting what is of you today to change us and empower us and truly awaken us for your purposes. And we just open our ears and open our hearts to receive from you today, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So the concept of slumber being costly falls into the idea of the, the, the fact that as believers in Jesus Christ, we have been called to not just come to Christ and go to heaven, because otherwise none of us would be here today, probably. You know, if we've, if we've encountered Christ, we would just be taken out. But instead, we're left here for a purpose. We're left here to rule and reign. We're left here to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're left here to be ambassadors in the seen realm of him who is unseen. We are meant to be the expression of Christ. We are meant to be the words of Christ revealed in action. We are meant to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are meant to be the men and women of God who, when the world looks around, can see what Jesus looks like. Uh, it was interesting, a little while ago, I had a phone call. Uh, my husband does production business, um, sound and lighting and that sort of stuff. So we meet a lot of different people. And one particular group that, that um, books us every year, they do like a big summertime music festival. And really, we have a just a professional relationship with them. They book us to come and provide sound for their bands, and that's it. But he got a phone call this uh, this fall, um, and the the man was like, you know, um, we've been going through this thing in our family with our daughter. She's 16 years old, um, and and basically we've got some serious God questions, and we we kind of gathered from what you do, um, you guys are religious, right? My husband's like, well, yeah, sort of, yes. And he's like, well, I, I think I heard you say sometime that your wife is a pastor. Is that true? And Wayne said, yes, she is. And he's like, well, was there any chance that she would be willing to meet with our daughter? And Wayne's like, oh, I'm sure she would. What is the issue? And he said, well, basically, she's been having these terrible nightmares um, where she dies in the nightmare, and she has no idea where she goes. And we don't really know what to tell her. Um, she basically wants to know what happens when you die. And so you know, would your wife meet with her? And I'm thinking, well, that's a loaded question. You know, so I, I'm texting this 16-year-old girl that I've never met before. I don't know anything about her. Do you want to go for coffee? Yes, yeah, she'd like to go for coffee. So I go and meet with her, sit down at the table, and I think, okay, how how far back do we have to go here? You know, so I ask her, tell me, tell me your thoughts on God. Like, do you have a philosophy of the afterlife? to start with that, you know, so I can know where to go from. And she's like, well, um, we, we don't go to church or anything. She's like, I'm basically, I feel like life seems too important to not go somewhere, but, um, I don't know where that would be. And it seems like there's sort of an order to things 
And so somebody must be in control, but I don't know who that would be. And so I feel like there must be some sort of higher power and that we probably go somewhere, but it could be reincarnation and it could, I mean, I don't know if God is really God or it could be like just some sort of a higher spirit or something, but there seems to be some sort of bigger, I'm like, well, how much coffee can you drink? You know, so I'm starting at Genesis with like, okay, and in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, you know, and I thought it was so interesting how here's a kid. This is, this is honestly, um, the first generation. We are moving into uh, the first generation of completely secularized, uh, young people coming up who really, even in my generation, which is not that far before, um, I mean, everybody had sort of a God sense, you know, I mean, everybody would at least pray the Lord's prayer. If nothing else, we don't know who the Lord is, but there's probably a God for people who are religious. This generation has no understanding of God whatsoever. They have no understanding of truth whatsoever. As far as a generalized belief, truth is the truth of your understanding. If it's truth for you, it must be truth. In Canada right now, we are dealing literally with governmental rules where they are, they are adding, I think we have, um, seven, uh, gender options that are being taught in schools. I, I have to look them up. I don't know what they are. You know, there, there's, there's stuff that is coming out that is just wide open to whatever you think is true must be true. And whatever feels good must be good. And whatever feels right and purposeful to you must be the right and purposeful thing to do. Now, that sounds a lot like what we talked about this morning, to the extreme. It is pacifying the flesh on every possible level. And we, the church, actually happen to know that Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. That is it. So when I look at the concept of when God says, uh, slumber is costly. And I look at my nation and, and I really believe slumber is an international issue right now. We have some pockets, some nations of the earth, uh, that are actually rising up right now in the fullness of power. But so many nations around the earth have been in a spirit of slumber where the Canadian church for certain, and I'm guessing in the UK as well, that's my sense, is that the church has been in a state of general slumber. And it's not really about the enemy going, do you feel God? See, we talked about that this morning because that's the symptom. We can recognize I actually don't feel fully alive. I don't feel fully engaged. But what the reason is that he draws us into slumber is because he wants a generation. It's because he wants to rule. It's because he wants the authority to be handed over to him out of our ignorance and out of our slumber. I, I've, I've had this, um, thing. I, I end up where we live in Canada is off. I call it the armpit of the airline world because nothing flies there at a good time. It's like, it, it's the, this place that the planes come at a weird time. And so I always get these connections to airports where I have like a nine hour delay or something in the middle of the night. Some airports like kick you out and you're sitting in the entrance by the, by the check-in with your stuff, nowhere to go. And so I've learned this thing where I, I bring all my bags with like long straps on them and I wrap my arms around them so I can go to sleep in a corner 
because I know that you can steal stuff from people who are sleeping, right? So I want to make sure somebody has to fight to take my stuff, you know, if I, if I happen to fall asleep, which you never really do, but you, you try. But this is the thing. The enemy is trying to get us into slumber so he can steal our stuff. He wants what we have. He wants who we are. He wants the power to, to, to instruct a generation. And when I look at a generation full of young people who actually can look at you and go, I feel like there must be something. And yet they will watch. I don't know what, what you get for television shows and movies over here, but probably in the same line as us. The, the big thing right now is supernatural stuff. The walking dead, the zombies, all this spiritual stuff. And young people are flocking to it. They're drawn to it. I think it's so gross and so disgusting to look at, but they're drawn to it. Why? Because there's a hunger for the spiritual. There's a hunger for something more that must be out there. And, and, and this, this generation is craving a church who is awake enough to do something. I, uh, the last, last year I was contacted by a church in Pakistan who wanted me to come and speak. And of course my mom went into heart palpitations almost like, you can't go to Pakistan to preach this. But I, I said I would go and I, the trip ended up getting postponed. So I haven't been yet, but I, it was so interesting because to me, you know, I talked to a few people. I thought before I even answer this one, cause that's, that's a big order. You know, there's some stuff going on there. They've had a lot of, um, oppression and a lot of suicide bombers and weird stuff lately in the particular city that I was invited. And I thought, um, I better get some counsel on this because you don't want to go somewhere without safety, you know, and whatever. And um, everybody I talked to said, well, pray about it. I, I feel like it could be good. And so I, I messaged the pastor and I said, you know, I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, um, is it dangerous like where you are? And he answered me so bluntly, that I, I was really taken back and I realized, you know, there's even a form of slumber on that one for me. But he answered and he said, I said, you know, is it dangerous to preach where you are? And he said, well, of course, sister, but what else can we do? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and I thought, since when, since when does the New Testament, since when does the commission of Jesus promise us any level of comfort and safety and, oh, life is going to be perfectly rosy all the time? You know, there's nothing in there, but it does promise us action and adventure and kingdom rule and kingdom reign and partnering with God to see his kingdom come and his will done on the earth as it is in heaven. We actually get to partner with the king of glory and see something released on the earth. So it tells me when we're looking at a generation, you guys, you Bible school students, you're going out into the mission field when you, when you go here, because this generation is different thinking. But it tells me that the generation before obviously slumbered through a season. And we're happy to regain ground, but God is willing to do that. I, uh, I was in contact with another pastor in Pakistan last week and he was, he was saying, uh, literally in, in their city, they had another suicide bomber. They had things go off, um, and directed towards Christians. And yet this week, in the middle of that, this week, they're baptizing 3,000 new converts. And I'm like, you know? Yeah. See, slumber looks at the flesh. 
the spirit of God in the awakening looks at the spirit and goes, bring it on, you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Either way, it's all good, but I'm going to live with him. And there's a stirring on the inside. So if you're taking notes, awakening is not just about alertness. Awakening is about an assignment. It's about an assignment. It's about destiny. Slumber is internally focused. It's how do I feel about this? How has this affected me? What is going on in my world? How, how am I being impacted by this situation? Awakening is externally focused and other focused. It is looking at others and goes, how can I serve? What can I give? What do I have to offer? How does Jesus want to use me in this situation? What can be changed? What can be done? How can I move in this? And God takes this very seriously. He understands the things of the heart. He understands the emotions. He understands the brokenness. And yet he has a bigger plan. I find it very interesting. Um, in First Peter, I think it's chapter 5, Peter's talking to the church and he's saying, please, like, walk circumspectly. Walk, walk well in Christ. Walk in holiness. And then he puts in this little phrase, while you're here. And he's talking about on earth. So it's, it sounds like, you know, for me, while I'm here in England, and I look at it as a short time, I'm going to do everything I can. I mean, you know, Tyler will ask me, are you too tired to go do something? I leave next week. What does that matter? You know, I'm only here for a short time, so I'm going to take advantage of everything I possibly can, right? We need to look at life this way. When we come into the kingdom of God, we step into an eternal picture that is endless. And so while we're here, why not do all we can? Why not give all we can? Why not live the big picture? Why not fully experience Christ? One of my best friends um, had one of those long terms of singleness that she desperately hated. She was, her whole life, she had... Um, her parents were foster parents, and they had, I think, something like 80-something children raised in their home over the course of years. And just, so she was always, you know, a full house, full of family. She just wanted to get married and have kids. And this, the right guy just never came, never came, never came. Till finally she was 38, and she met somebody on an online site, which, you know, every once in a while actually works out. And so... <laughs> Every, most of the time it doesn't, but every once in a while. So she ended up meeting this guy and, and of course she thought, you know, I'm, I'm 38, I'm almost 39, like the clock is ticking, let's, let's get married, let's get at this. So they got married, um, and she, the whole first year couldn't get pregnant and finally in the second year got pregnant. And this was like the, the fulfillment of her life's dream. She's got a husband, she's got a baby on the way, everything's wonderful. Three months in, she lost the baby and um, was devastated. And this this is a friend who grew up in the church, grew up serving God. You know, every time the church doors were open, she was there. She served God. And she she immediately, though, was baited like we talked about this morning with the, why did God fail you? Why would God let that happen to you? Why would God give you that expectation and then let your baby die? And uh, And... From that place, she internalized that a little bit. And, you know, grieving is natural. Grieving is necessary. But grieving is meant to be open heart before God and open heart with other people. And and she started um, closing off to God and just going, you know, 
you failed me. Why did you fail me? And then she would come to church or she would come to different gatherings and she would wait to see if anybody came and talked to her, see if anybody came and said anything, if anybody, you know, even cared that she was grieving. Did anybody, did anybody know she had, you know, was suffering like she was suffering? And it started to go internal, just super internal. Um, and of course, most people didn't even know she had been pregnant. So nobody knew anything. Nobody said anything. And so she started, you know, looking at the people around her and being like, well, we say we love people, but obviously we don't love people because nobody loved me. Nobody loves me in the middle of this situation. Nobody cares. God, God could do something. Meanwhile, time's going on. She's not getting pregnant. She's not getting pregnant again. And, and just this constant grief and constant, now God has failed me. Now the church has failed me. And she started coming to church every second week. And then every third week. And then Easter and Christmas. And then not at all. And nobody could get her out of her house. She would go to, to work every now and again and, um, you know, put in her hours and then come home and I call it turtling, but you know, get on the couch and pull the blanket up and just turtle until she had to go back out again and it completely shut off. And you know, this is what slumber offers us, this opportunity. But I noticed this friend of mine who had gone from being the person who was at the church every single time, willing to serve in any capacity. I mean, she'd have, she'd have led the men's ministry if she had to. She would, whatever, let's just serve, you know, to I can't get off my couch. And I watched the kingdom of God just get bottled up inside of her. And it, it had gone on actually for several years until finally um, God had actually called us as a, as a citywide prayer ministry. We started praying for the prodigals and the people that that had been, they know God, but they had been sitting back and um, not participating and that God would just penetrate their heart, that God would reach them. And we started praying back, uh, pushing back that uh, spirit of depression and pushing back that bondage and asking God to just reach in and touch in the heart places, whatever needed to be healed and start a fire on the inside on those embers that were there that the wind of God would blow and that they would be unable to stay home any longer, that they would feel compelled back into uh, kingdom function. And oddly enough, within one week, all of a sudden she shows up at church and I'm in worship and I look, look beside me and she's sitting next to me. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And she said, she looks at me and she says, I just decided it wasn't worth it anymore. I'm like, wow. Like she, she decided her offense, her pain, her bitterness, the stuff, it just wasn't worth hanging on to anymore. And so she needed to come back. And it was like the best Sunday morning ever for that reason. And it has taken a while for her to build back up that stamina again. It takes a while to trust people again. It takes a while for God to condition your heart again. But now she is actually one of the most powerful prayer people on our ministry team again. And she stands there. She uh, She's actually signed up. She's on the intercessor team and she's signed up for greeting so that she can stand at the door. And she stands there like a football linebacker and she just like watches the door and God will tell her like somebody's going to try and she, well, she'll, she'll say, we got a runner today, which means... <laughs> somebody's feeling convicted and they're going to try and leave early. So she just stands there at the door and waits for them. 
And she catches them on the way out and prays for them before they leave. And people's lives are getting changed because she's back in action again. Right? See, that's what awakening looks like. Awakening takes you out of yourself and suddenly looks at others. When she can tell me, I feel like God is going to be moving on somebody else's heart and I'm going to be there for that. That is so different than why didn't somebody come and talk to me when I was hurting? See, the dialogue has changed. Awakening is outward focused. Awakening is kingdom focused. It's alert. It's a movement. We are called to actually live and rule in a kingdom plan. I love, you know, again, in the story of Sleeping Beauty, she's a princess. The idea of her sleeping through a hundred years is to block her from ruling the kingdom, isn't it? Because she's the rightful heir. She's supposed to take the throne. She's supposed to rule. And the slumber that she falls into is keeping her from actually taking her place. So that is what is right before us right now. When God is offering us the awakening, he's offering us an action plan. He's offering us actual movement. I personally do not believe that we can be fully awakened to God and not serve. I think it's the natural overflow. If we encounter God, we automatically feel a call to action in some way. Um, we, we will suddenly, you know, you're just alert to the things that need to happen and you're alert to people and you see things differently. Galatians 2.20 says, The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15 says, Those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So that was Galatians 2.20 and 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. The life that I now live. See, when I move into Christ, I move into a place where I live a life that I didn't even have before. I live a life that doesn't even belong to me. It's a life, I take this life, I take my right to my life, and I actually exchange it for his life. And so often we do that thing where we'll do, you know, altar calls, we'll do prayer ministry, and we say things like, you know, salvation is just a free gift, you just have to accept it, and God is going to just come into your life, and he's going to love you, and he's going to give you everything that is his, it's just a free gift. And it is, it is a free gift. Right now you're like, oh my goodness, here comes the heresy. <laughs> it is a free gift. But when that is written, it's written in the epistles and it's written to believers who are trying to move back into works. And the apostle Paul is like, you can't work your way into salvation. God gave it to you. But when we really hear about the gospel, the good news, it comes through Jesus. And it comes through, you know, when we hear Peter preaching and we hear about you are going to have to die and you're going to pick up a new life. You are going to have to pick up your cross and follow me. You are going to have to give up things in this life to accept a far greater eternal reward. It actually is an exchange. And so we don't get to fully, fully live the flesh life and fully embrace the spirit life. The, the gift of salvation is a free gift that we accept by letting go of what's in our hands. By, in order for us to actually lay hold of it, we have to give up our stuff. 
So what does that mean? I literally feel the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. If the life I now live, I live by my own choice, my own wants, my own desires, my own wishes, my own sense of safety, my own sense of well-being, my own comfort in what I can afford, my own uh, comfort level in which sorts of people I'm free to talk to, my, 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 then we haven't fully embraced what salvation truly is, what the good news really is, what being part of the kingdom of God really is. Because we need to be able to say, the life I now live is not mine. And so, God, what do you want to do with this life? You know, what this this is all yours. Do with it what you want. What's the plan? And God might ask you to do some strange stuff. He might not, but he probably will ask you to do something outside of your comfort level. I can almost 100% guarantee that. That he will ask you to do something that is not maybe your preference at first, but you'll find out it's him. It's an action plan that goes beyond your natural realm. And doesn't that sort of sound exciting? See, I think sometimes as, as women, as wives and mothers, you know, we start off very excited. You know, my husband does a lot of uh, production for graduations. We were talking about this the other day. And everybody, I mean, almost all the grads on your future plans and dreams, they'll say, I want to make a million dollars and travel the world. Because there's this sense of adventure and life, and I'm going to experience things and go places and do stuff, and I'm going to be alive. And then reality sets in, and we live our small little lives. That's not kingdom. That's not what the kingdom of God looks like. The kingdom of God is not a small little life. Even if you never leave your home, you're still part of something that is international and timeless, something that is eternal and magnificent. I, I find it very exciting that I can pray at home and change things in the atmosphere in Pakistan. I find it very exciting that I can, I can sow money from home and there can be something released in Haiti. I feel very excited about the fact that I can get into the spirit about things at home and stuff can change in Thailand or the Philippines or the UK and vice versa. We are part of something that is far, far bigger than ourselves once we accept that the life I live is not mine. And so what do you want to do with it? So exciting. So number two, my life is therefore hidden in God. Therefore, my assignment is also hidden in God. My life is hidden in God, and therefore my assignment is hidden in God. What does that mean? That seems really obvious. It means I cannot research my assignment. I can't think it. I can't sit and go, oh, what do I think would be fun to do? That would be so exciting. Oh, I'd like to, I really, yeah, that would be good. I'd like to do that. Who do I know? Who am I connected? It's not that. My assignment is hidden in him. So when I go to him and say, what do you want me to do? I suddenly find something that I didn't know before. I suddenly find a, an answer that is from him that is eternal, that is kingdom, that is bigger than my small little mind can think. I mean, when I say that I grew up in small town Canada, um, I mean, we're talking under a thousand people. 
and nobody went anywhere ever, like ever. The nearest city was like almost three hours away, and that was the big trip to go buy clothes and stuff. Nobody did anything ever. And I had this in my heart. Someday I want to see the world. Someday I want to see the world. So the only way I logically could think it was I'm going to be a flight attendant. That was my plan. I'm going to be a flight attendant and see the world because that makes sense. And then now, like, I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but some of you will remember there used to be a certain, like, type of flight attendant, right? Now it's all out there, but it used to be a certain type. And I remember finding out that I was at 16 already over the weight limit for flight attendants. And it was like, well, that's it. Now I can't see the world because I'm too chubby. Like, huh, that's not even fair, you know, but it, right? Yeah. It was in me to go places and to do things. And I remember so clearly, um, 15, I was 15 when I went on my first missions trip to Mexico. And I remember God awakening something in that space of time, something in my heart that was connected to travel and connected to the nations. And you guys remember that song that ask of me and I will give the nations anybody as an inheritance for you. And I remember standing there at 15 and 16 years old with tears streaming down my face going, here I am, send me to the nations. Send me to the nations and weeping before the Lord. God, here I am. And then I met a guy. (laughs) And we got married and we had kids and we started a business and we got a mortgage and a house. And my here am I, send me to the nations became here I am, get me through this week. You know, it was just this uh, thing that happened. And I still served God. I mean, there was no question about that. I was always on the worship team. I was leading Bible studies. I was teaching. I came on staff at our church. Um, and my lead pastor is a missionary to the bones. He's like a full-on evangelist missionary. And he goes places all the time. And and he just believes... He actually said to me the other day, he was... um there's a lady in our church who's having marriage problems. And he's like, I've, I'm like, well, what did you, what did you advise her? He's like, oh, I think she should go to Thailand on a missions trip. I'm like, <laughs> because I don't think there's much that a missions trip can't solve. <laughs> so, so that's his mentality, right? So I'm, I'm working with this and we have missions teams leaving the church all the time, going places, and it never occurs to me to go with them like ever, because I have a husband and I have kids and I have a house payment and I have a job and I have a car and I have stuff and I have responsibilities and, and all these people are going all the time. And I literally, literally one, one day was talking to my pastor and he came and he said, Charlotte, why don't you lead one of the teams on one of these trips? And I looked at him and I said, you know what, pastor, in my belligerence, um, I'm like, you know what, pastor, not everybody is like you. And some of us actually have to keep the world moving while you fly all over it. Yeah. So then I repented. (laughs) 
But I literally felt that way. It was like, you know, somebody has to keep the church going. Somebody has to keep some continuity while everybody else follows their big assignment because some of us are just called to regular. You know, that's what I thought. And so um, suddenly, probably about another year after that, he phones me up. And within our organization, our apostle to the Philippines had been in town, and the two of them are of the same mind. And so they call us, my husband and I, and say, um, the Philippines, they're opening up a bunch of new churches. They have some stuff that they need done with their sound equipment, and they really want to have a worship conference. And so we're going to send you guys. So if you can plan, which, which weeks in November could you go for two weeks to the Philippines? I'm like, we... We don't do, we don't do that. And shouldn't you ask and not tell me that, like, how, how can you, how can you inform me that we're going there? You know, and it was one of those bizarre things. But my husband's like, well, you know what? We'll honor our pastor. We want to be submissive. And so let's just go do the thing. How bad can it be? You know, so that, that was literally our, our thought process. Cause we're called to regular. We're, you know, we're called to regular. And so we get on the plane and, and it's a, really long plane ride, like really long. So suddenly the how bad could it be? <laughs> well, let me tell you, <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. And then we get there and, and walked off the plane and just so happened that the airport we were at is not one of their finer ones. And all of a sudden this wall of like heat and diesel fuel and some unknown fragrance just sort of slaps you in the face all at once. And, and so we're staying at the mission base there. So we get, it's like, that's okay. It's been a really long day, really long flight. We'll, we'll have a good shower and a good sleep at the missions base. Well, so we get to the missions base. They don't actually have running water. So, you know, just so you know, you can't flush the toilet and there's a bucket over here with some water. And so you just basically they've got like a big garbage can. So just there's a, a dipper in there, like a little bowl. So you, you know, basically the ration is like two dippers per person. So just sponge bath. How bad can it be is new dimensions are happening by the minute. So then we go to our room and it's just a mattress on the floor, which is okay because it's pretty comfortable. But as I lay down, I look and I see this like stream of ants going across the floor. And there's like lizards on the wall. I mean, they're like lizards to me, but they're actually just little geckos. It's not a thing. But to me, it was like, oh my goodness, I've died and gone to hell. What happened here? I hope my pastor's happy is what I'm thinking. So, I mean, glad to be there, but you know, and I think it was like a Friday night. We got there some Saturday. We just sweated. That, that's pretty much all we did all day. And then Sunday we go to the church and um, the opening service they have some are in English and some are in their native language and some are blended services, but the opening one is in Tagalog, so we don't understand a word of it. But all of a sudden, they start this one song, and I start sobbing, sobbing, because instantly I can remember being about seven years old when a missionary came through our church and did some stuff with the kids' ministry and taught us a song, and I still remembered that song. I, it, for whatever reason, it was still in my heart. And I had these coins from the Philippines in my jewelry box that I had kept all these years because somebody had brought us something from another country. And they start singing this song on Sunday morning. And I'm like, I know this song. I know this song. And suddenly God reminded me 
of standing as a teenager and singing, send me to the nations and begging God to take me on an adventure with him and allowing me to meet people from other lands. It was so far bottled in me that I literally did not remember it until that song played. See, the awakening of God stirs something that your head cannot find. Your life is hidden in God. Your life, your real life, See, your real life is hidden with him. And he's planted seeds in you all along the way. Seeds that you might not even know are there, but they're there. And they've been growing. So tables have turned on my pastor, and now he has to check with me on which weeks we're actually still in the country. Because turns out, regular is not at all what I... I feel super called to. I, I love the adventure. I love, I mean, I love the adventure of being at home too, but it's always, even when I'm at my home church, it's like, what has God got for us today? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be exciting. Somebody's going to set, get set free. Somebody's going to encounter God. Somebody is going to sing a song in worship and suddenly be standing in the throne room and they're going to encounter wisdom. They're going to encounter love. They're going to encounter life. I don't go to church to go, what am I going to get out of it? Sure hope it's good today. I hope they don't sing that song that I hate. You know, I don't, I don't think that at all anymore. <laughs> See, I can be honest in another country. I'm just telling you, there's, we all have seasons. But I come and I go, what is God going to do? What's the plan today? And I'm looking with anticipation for the plan. My life is hidden in him. Your life is hidden in him. I find it interesting. Jeremiah 1, 5 talks about the Jeremiah was called as a prophet in his mother's womb. He was called to his destiny right away. And he knew it right away. But do you know there's another verse, Galatians 1, 15. The apostle Paul says he was called from his mother's womb. He was called as an apostle of Jesus Christ from his mother's womb. And yet he spent how many years learning another teaching? He spent how many years persecuting Christians? He spent how many years zealously going in the opposite direction? And yet he was called from his mother's womb. See, we can be fully, sincerely pursuing something, absolutely believing this is my reality until we take it into the, the presence of God and go, okay, what part of my life do you want to show me? What of my life is hidden in you that I don't see? And then we begin to embrace it. Because Paul had this encounter with God. He had this encounter with Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, within three days, his life completely transforms and he goes in the other direction. It is that fast. I'm telling you, for me, with the when I got off the plane back in Canada after that first trip to the Philippines, it was like, oh, do not put the suitcase too far away. We will not be staying home long. It changed like that because something came alive. That sort of awakening, I am believing for us today. I am believing that there is something in each one of you that is going to find its life today. And we might not have the full picture, but if we're willing to say yes and at least give it a go, we'll find out what God has. One of, uh, one of the quotes that our, uh, one of our ministry leaders says all the time is, if you do not know the purpose of something, you will abuse it. And I think that's a really cool 
way of looking at it. If you don't know the purpose of something, you will abuse it. If you don't know the purpose of your life, if you don't know who you've been made to be from the beginning of time, you don't handle yourself correctly. You don't treat yourself with the value and respect that Jesus does. You don't treat yourself with the honor that God gives you. We, we just mishandle stuff and we, we, you know, get involved in work that is pointless. We get involved in maintenance mode of everything and we just exist. That's abuse for somebody who's called to rule, which we all are, which we all are. Ecclesiastes 6.10 in the New Living Translation says, everything has already been decided. It was known long ago what each person would be, so there's no use arguing with God about your destiny. I love that particular phrasing of it. So there's no use arguing with God about your destiny. I mean, he won't make anybody do anything. But if we ask him, what'd you plan? We find out it's wonderful. We find out it's awesome. It, the sooner we get on board with it, the sooner we feel alive. This week, like I mentioned with Joy, she, she worked hours upon hours upon hours upon hours putting stuff together for this with a smile from ear to ear, because this is the funnest thing ever. Right, Joy? <laughs> she, I mean, she could have been like, oh my goodness, I don't know how much. I mean, she could have been all kinds of complaining, but she was filled with joy because she's doing what God asked her to do this week, because she's living the adventure. She's living the dream. She's living the destiny. Whatever it is that God has for you will have joy in it. I know people who are literally their primary calling as they find out they're hidden in God is to pray. Like that's their primary thing. And they'll pray for six, seven, eight hours a day and be like, that was the best day ever. Oh my goodness. I just felt like I was pulling things down in the spirit and heaven was moving. And I'm like seven hours. No kidding. (laughs) Praise God for people like you is what I'm thinking, you know? But they enjoy it. Other people say to me, like, how can you, how can you possibly speak? Oh, I would just be sick if I had to talk in front of people like you do. Well, the reality is, you know, I have been in trouble for talking too much my whole life. So I think it's great that God lets me do it for a living. You know, it's a joy. It's a joy to do the things that God calls you to do when you find it when you open yourself up to it. And that's why I say, should your life be passionate? Yes. An awakened life should be lived out with the fullness of God in it. It should be based on who you've been made to be. It should match up with your your God DNA. There should be some excitement in every day because there's something that you were purposed to do. Destiny is simply just God's ideal plan for your life. It's not the only plan but it's his ideal plan. And and it's not like we're in sin if we do other stuff, but man, the best stuff is in his plan. The best stuff is the destiny plan. Proverbs 16.3 says, Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to him. This is the Amplified. Commit and trust them wholly to him, and he will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. So as we roll our works upon the Lord, as we go, okay, God, my, my life, the works of my life are yours. I'm coming before you. Help me see what you see. And as we do, he causes our thoughts to line up with his will. 
What I think is so interesting is, you know, there's probably a bunch of medical people in the room here, and I don't understand fully, but I was reading this article about um, heartbeat synchronization. And it was saying that there's this amazing phenomenon. It happens between, you know, in romantic uh, relationships. It happens in children and uh, babies and mothers. But when we make eye contact... For it doesn't take very long, but we make eye contact with somebody we have a heart connection with, our heartbeats begin to beat at the same time. And there's a sinking that happens. Our heartbeats begin to shift so that we're, we're, we're together. Literally, our heartbeats are beating to a, a measure together. And, and I think it's really cool how God says if we come to Him, there's this synchronization that happens with His thoughts and our thoughts. We look in His face. We seek His face. Our, the love is connecting us and we begin to have His heartbeat for things. We begin to have His desire for things. We begin to have a passion for things we never had a passion for before. We begin to see things we never saw before. See, right now you might say, I have, I don't think I have a calling for that. I don't have a passion for that. I don't know if I have a calling for anything. But what if you go look in His face? And spend some time there and let your heartbeat sink with his heartbeat. What if he aligns you to his thoughts and his plans? Suddenly you get vision and purpose for somewhere else. Which leads us to the, the final point here, which is our awakening is for the purpose of affecting others. Our awakening is not just so I can have an excited, passionate life. I mean, it's so great personally to enjoy what God is calling you to do and to enjoy every day. But the bigger picture is a generation is waiting for us. The bigger picture is we are on the cusp internationally of such massive global movement of secularism, of false religions, of absolute anarchy in some cases, of perversion of twisted thinking of a broken broken generation we we have uh you know so many ways of looking at identity right now that nobody knows who they are man it is waiting for the king of kings and the lord of lords to come and speak life over to people to tell them who they are because if my life is hidden with god and he had a plan for me from the very beginning he has a plan for each one right and so when i have that awareness i suddenly want other people to have that awareness and as I sat with that girl in the coffee shop and I looked at her and she was just like, I don't even know what happens after this. I genuinely felt this deep compassion that she doesn't even know who she is, period, let alone who God is. And I have to introduce her to God so that she can find out who she is so then she can worry about where she's going. The, the whole thing is absolutely subject to interpretation right now. Because the kingdom of God has been internally focused. But right now, a generation is being called into action. Psalm 57, 8 says, Awake, my glory. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. And I think of that because, you know, to me, first of all, I've heard that preached a lot, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but this is how I've only heard it preached. I will awaken the dawn means that you have to get up and do your devotion time in the morning. For more not morning people, that's like, yeah, it, it sometimes feels like take up your cross daily and follow me. You know, I will awaken the dawn. Seriously, dawn in the summertime is at like 5 a.m. That's so early, you know, but it's, it's actually a new day. 
I will awaken a new day. So what if it's not just in my new day, I will awaken and praise, but what if because I awaken and I engage God and I encounter him and I step into my kingdom plan, I begin to awaken a dawn. I begin to awaken a new day. And we say that, we'll say there, there has to be a new day for this situation. There has to be a turnaround. There has to be a shift. Well, what if it's up to the women and the men of God to awaken a new day? What if it's on us to declare that? What if it's on us to declare the praises of God into those places and shake something loose? Where there is darkness, there needs to be light. What, what if the light is waiting on us to awaken it and to pr- provide a place for it to go? Judges 5, 7 is uh, the story of Deborah. And she says, village life ceased and it ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose a mother in Israel. Village life ceased in Israel. The, the entire nation's stuff was just not right until I arose a mother in Israel. How many are waiting for us to arise as mothers in this generation? You don't have to be 40 plus to be a mother to a generation. I mean, anybody can see we are dealing with on every age level right now, this, this life that is lost, this stability that is lost, these families that are lost, the generation that is lost. What if it's waiting for us to arise as a mother to speak life? Like how a mother would, would, would sow into her kids. We talked this morning about that mother bearer anointing kind of thing that comes on where you will fight for your kids. What if it's not just your natural kids? What if God is calling us to fight for a generation? What if God is calling us to get that intense about it, to go into prayer, to do what needs to be done, to contend for a generation, to see our kids and our grandkids in a land that actually acknowledges the living God, actually acknowledges some level of righteousness? What if it's waiting on us to step up into that place and to change things? The story of Deborah is so exciting because even in that, Deborah rose up and then you see another younger woman rise up and finish the job, right? The story of Jael with the tent peg, which is one of the more interesting ones in the Bible. But a younger woman comes up right behind her and takes her place. Who is waiting behind you for you to take your place? How many will follow? How many can each one of us liberate as we step into our freedom. What is this awakening for? Maybe it's to awaken a new day. So that generation, that thing is there. Awakening actually declares Isaiah 61, where it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He is upon me and therefore I will declare freedom. I will declare life. I will deliver healing. I will minister to the brokenhearted. I will because the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. See, slumber says, spirit of God, why have you failed me? Why has the church failed me? Why are people so cruel? Why am I going through this hard time? Why why is it so difficult? Why Why don't you rescue me out of this? But awakening says, who am I supposed to rescue? Where am I supposed to go? Who's broken? Who's needing something? Who needs Jesus? And where can I go? How can I deliver it? See, Joseph, I think, is so interesting because, again, he's one who was called from his mother's womb, 
right? Joseph has those early adulthood, early teenagehood um, encounters with God where he has a dream of his destiny. And then his brothers basically beat it out of him. And he ends up getting sold off as a slave and he ends up getting lied about and he ends up imprisoned. If anybody had a right to be offended, to be upset, to think God failed him, God, you gave me a dream and what'd you do with it? Here I sit in prison. But the word tells us that all along God was with him and God gave him favor and God was watching over him. In fact, God was watching over the word. And we read that until the fullness of time had come, until the time for the word to come to pass had come, God just watched over and favored Joseph. But Joseph went through the hard stuff. But when Joseph had the awakening, see, it's so interesting because Joseph, you know, the first time he goes and interprets dreams and he's like, you know, well, God will give me the interpretation and I will tell you. And he still filters it through himself. I believe that God will give me the interpretation and I will reveal it to you. But when you see just before he gets brought out of the prison, he's asked if he can interpret dreams. He says, I can't, but God can. And it's all God. He has lost any sight of himself. And suddenly he moves into a position where he's awakening a new dawn. And when his brothers come and apologize to him, he says, you didn't send me here. God did. See, awakening takes the hard things that have happened in our lives, the places where we could have been offended, we could have been broken, we could have been discouraged, we could have turtled, we could have gone internal. Awakening goes, God is doing something with this. And awakening will bring about a result. When we step into that, we can stand there one day and maybe there'll be resolve and maybe there'll be apologies and maybe there'll be resolution for, for situations, but we'll stand there and go, it's okay. God's with me. God has done great things. God is good. He is faithful. See, our perspective will be completely different. Nelson Mandela said, you were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within you. It's not just in some people, it's in everyone. And as you let your own light shine, you unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As you are liberated from your own fear, your presence automatically liberates others. And it's so true. As an awakened people, we inspire awakened people. We, we inspire a movement. You know, I was thinking about this generation, you know, um, most youth ministers and uh, young adults ministers are, are well informed that kind of this generation is looking for authenticity. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for vision. They're looking to matter. They're looking for some significance in life and they're looking for community. And I'm like, well, that sort of sounds like the kingdom of God to me. Sounds like they are looking to belong to something. We are meant to be a family. They, they are, they want to change something. They want to empower something. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves. They want the kingdom of God. That's what they want. So it's our job to provide it for them. We are in this window of time that is very quickly shifting, I believe. And I think um, one of the best quotes is by Leonard Ravenhill, who just says simply, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of that opportunity. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. See, we don't get to sit and be, you know, internal and slumbering 
for a decade or two, and then maybe when we're done feeling bad, we'll give it to God. God's like, why not today? Because there's some opportunities today that may not be there tomorrow. There's some opportunities right now. There's a generation right now that is waiting for a group of women who are awakened fully, who have a passion for him, who are willing to say seriously, here I am, God, send me. I am willing to lay down the things of the flesh to pursue the things of the spirit. I am willing to believe that my life is actually hidden in you. I am willing to believe that I'm not actually called for just average, but even in the average, there's something supernatural that you have prepared for me. I believe I'm part of a kingdom that is international and eternal. I believe I am called for something even more than what I'm living right now. God, I am willing. I believe a generation can change if a people will rise up into that place. And so today I'm just going to pray over you, and then we're going to um, just move back into worship a little bit and just have some time for prayer ministry. We've got a fantastic prayer team who are willing to pray uh, with you. And if you, you know, just want to share, it might be from this morning. You might be having trouble releasing those things of the 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 pain and the issues that have drawn you into slumber, you might be having a hard time shaking that today. And I, I just believe that as we pray, God's just going to bring a deliverance of that. There's going to be a freedom from that. There's going to be life on that. And as we shift then into this afternoon, if you are feeling called to a destiny and a purpose that you have laid down a long time ago, we want to see that activated in God. We want to see something stirred up on the inside of you. If you're struggling in, in the transition between those two, let us pray for you with that. Whatever the need is, we don't want you to go home today without feeling the fullness of God burning in your heart. I think it's just the best feeling in the world when you lay down in bed and your heart is burning so much within you for the things of God that you can't even possibly sleep. And it's just like, God, you are so good. That's like the best feeling. I pray you all have that tonight, you know, restfully though, but you know, that thing, we don't want a slumber that doesn't restore, but we want a rest that is full of passion and life, right? And so God, today we just come before you Ha. Lord, we come before you as a group of women literally gathered from all over the world, Lord. I thank you for the, the Bible college students that are represented here. I thank you for the women around the room who have been gathered from various nations around the world for such a time as this. Lord, we believe that today is an appointed day. And Lord, we believe that today is a day of activation and awakening. And God, we thank you that you have given an answer and a freedom from the spirit of slumber, any spirit of apathy, God, anything that would hold us back. And Lord, I thank you that there's not a woman in this room who is called to an average life. Every single woman here is called to do great exploits. Your word says that your people will know their God and will do great exploits. So God, because we know you it's promised to us to do great exploits and God we trust you as to what those exploits are for some it will mean traveling the world for some it will mean traveling to their school for some it will mean praying for some it will be sewing for some it will mean children's ministry for some it will be uh, shedding the light in the darkness of their workplace God for some it's going to be proclaiming the kingdom to their family and their extended family whatever it is God we just thank you for the awakening today. 
We thank you for stirring us and breathing life upon us. Oh, Lord, I thank you for showing each one of us, God, the, the, the darkened places around us that we have been intended to speak life into, that we have been intended to awaken, the dawn that we have been intended to awaken. And Lord, I thank you that as each woman just embraces your word today, whoa, Lord, that the sun begins to shine upon us, in us and through us. Lord, I thank you that the fire of your presence burns within us for greater things, Lord. I pray even now for those who have, uh, Lord, just over the course of time, pushed down the dream, pushed down the calling, pushed down the memory. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would awaken it even now. I pray fire upon that dream. I pray fire upon that vision. I pray fire upon that thing that they were called to from their mother's womb, God. Lord, I thank you that each one of us were called and made for something even before we even breathed a breath on this earth, God, we were made for something great. And Lord, I pray that you would stir that kingdom plan right now in Jesus' name. Lord, ex uh, uh, stir up that expectation of greatness. Stir up that expectation of a kingdom adventure. Stir up that expectation of going and walking with the King of glory through life and seeing your kingdom come and your will done on the earth as it is in heaven, God. Lord, give us a heart for a generation, God. Give us the hearts of Deborah who would fight for a generation, Lord. The heart of, of the king who would stand and declare life over a generation, God. Stir us to action. Stir us to passion, God. Stir us to desire. Lord, we give you the reins of our life. We give you the rule of our life, Lord. And God, we just refuse on purpose right now the bait of the enemy, the bait of slumber, and we choose to live in an awakened state. We say to our soul, awaken, O soul. Awaken, O soul. Awaken, O soul. God, I speak over each woman here an awakening of a new dimension in Jesus' name. Lord, those who are already alive in the Spirit and active in the Spirit, I thank you for a next level of awakening a next level awakening God but for each one of us freedom to step into that thank you God Lord I thank you that it's not too late I thank you Lord that nobody has burnt too many bridges hmm I thank you that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance and so Lord they still stand that calling that you placed upon our lives before we did anything wrong, before we did anything right, still stands. That calling that you placed upon our lives before we've spent decades doing other things, God, it still stands. That calling upon our lives before we've been hurt and wounded, it still stands. God, that calling before we made wrong decisions, it still stands. And so God, I just speak life to that calling, life to that purpose today in Jesus' name. I thank you for awakening your women to take a generation for the kingdom. Help us see what you see. Help us see what you see, God. Help our hearts beat in sync with yours. As we gaze into your eyes, into your face, give us your heartbeat, God. Show us what you see. Open our ears to the cries of the broken. 
open our eyes to see the lost God. Stir us. Stir us, God. We give you permission. We give you permission, God.
Yes, Lord. God, we lay ourselves before you. Lord, we are willing. We are willing. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just speak your thoughts even now, that you would speak the wisdom of heaven, the dreams of heaven, the plans of heaven, the destiny of heaven. Even now, we are yours. We are yours. For such a time as this, we are yours. listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.